Hey fam, it's Shannon, one half of Black Activities, and I would like to share with you an episode of It's About Damn Time that I just did with my friend Jarrett Dam, host of the show. We talked about therapy and why it's important to go to therapy and what it means to really do the work. So here's that episode. Hope you enjoy. Peace. Uh, do you want to go ahead and make the announcement now about us being best friends? Or do you want people just to figure it out as the episode <laughs> goes on? <laughs> Let's see if they can figure it out. Microphone check. Does my mic sound nice? Uh. Yes, it does. Welcome to this week's episode of It's About Damn Time where we change the narrative by changing the perspective. I'm Jared Dam, and it's about damn time to have another conversation that changes the way you think and perceive things. The only question is, are you ready? Welcome to this week's episode of It's About Damn Time. I'm Jared Dam back in the building once again. And this week, I am joined. Look, I feel like I'm nervous. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, she was telling me she was nervous. I feel like I'm a little nervous. You know, I'm in I'm in here with a a 15-year educator, a podcaster, a mother of two, a wife, founder of Black Panache LLC, which seeks to amplify Black voices and perspectives the host of You Talk, I Listen podcast, the host of Blacktivities podcast, and as you heard, my new bestie, Shannon. Chapman, <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? How's it going? What was it like, girl? Your, your, your intro is off the chain. I love it. I love it. I mean, you make me sound like I was doing something. You are doing something. You are doing mm-hmm. something. Now- I'm trying. No, no. You, you, you more than trying, Like, because I definitely listen every Thursday- um, as um, Black Activities drops a, a new episode available on all podcasting platforms. So I'm always intrigued about what particular topic that you're coming up with next as y'all talk about talk about and celebrate all things Black. And, you know, we, we just kind of got a bond, you know, just, just during, during um, you know, Instagram, just kind of just talking about podcasts. You know, I love talking about podcasts and I'll talk about podcasts all day long to people. Uh, that's that's a true podcaster it is a true podcaster but during our conversations we we just kind of started just discussing about you know our similarities especially when when it came to to therapy and i and i felt like you know it's about damn time that we discuss you know therapy but not just going to therapy i'm actually doing the work and as and as you know and, and you probably have seen all over clips on Instagram and TikTok and everything and and everybody's talking about you you need to go to therapy. You need to go to therapy. And and I like to call those moments double tap moments where people say this say this stuff and then they like people go, Ooh, yeah, that's a word. Double tap and they keep scrolling and yeah. no other action is taken. I wanna actually talk about the whole experience about once you decide to go to therapy, what that looks like. Cause I don't think that's actually being discussed enough. And you know, I mean, just just for from your vantage point, let me just ask you this: How many times have you, you as a person who has has had therapy, 
tell somebody about going to therapy, they go and they say, after like one or two times, like, mm, I don't know if that's for me. Hmm. So I feel like I tell people to, that they should go to therapy a lot, but I don't know if I know anybody who's actually done it. Hmm. So do they like agree with you and be like, yeah, you're right, girl. And then that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I should go to therapy. Yeah. But then <laughs> I never hear about them actually going to therapy. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? I think that you have to be mentally ready to go to mm. therapy. You can't just walk in there and don't have the idea that you want to change you have to be open to hearing about yourself and learning about yourself. And if you're not ready to face some of those truths, then you're probably not ready for therapy. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, she's going to kill me because I'm, I'm about to put her on blast. My sister. <laughs> <laughs> I got a sister who, who every time we talk about therapy, it, it's at a, at a, all the siblings, I think. I think she and my my brother, and I know my brother ain't going to therapy, but she and my brother are the only people that, that, that hadn't been to a therapist or not currently going to a therapist. And every time we talk about it, she's like, whoo, shit, I, yeah, I need to go. I need to go. Mm-hmm, I know what y'all talking about. I need to go. And has not made any type of movement. Now, now granted, you know, I know there, there are financial issues at times and everything, but there, there's also programs that, you know, that you can do and research and look at. I don't want to push her. I don't want to push her because I feel like people say that they're not they're not necessarily ready to go to therapy. I just started going back after about a three year hiatus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but <laughs> 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 I lost my damn mind. Shannon. I don't know why I was thinking that, but I just started going back uh, after three years, and but I do remember for like a, a good six or seven months probably longer um i kept saying yeah i need to get back into therapy like i'm I'm struggling right now i need to get back and i had i had people that was pushing me and encouraging me and asking me questions like uh have you scheduled that therapy session yet oh no i've just been so busy i just oh god but it wasn't until like you know you hit like a like just a part of your life where you just feel empty and you're looking around for answers and you and nothing that you normally do fixes it whether it's working out or eat for me eating sweets and working out (laughs) 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 whatever the case is it's like you know this shit ain't working no more so yeah what got you initially into into therapy what what brought you to therapy so you know way back when a um pandemic started Mm. And at the very beginning of it, I started having some physical symptoms that were new to me. I would feel pressure in my chest. I would just feel panicked, like just randomly. And it just progressively got worse and worse. I was not sleeping well, so I would wake up and feel sleepy, but I would also feel like sore because it felt like I was literally tensing. My entire body was tensing while I was sleeping. My hands would hurt and things like that. And, you know, 
new to me. I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. But then, you know, I started kind of having panic attacks to the point where I was like, I might, there might be something wrong with me. I might need to go to the hospital. But then, you know, I'm still doing everyday life like normal. You know, I noticed that when I would talk to my kids or do something with my kids or when I would talk to my friends, that feeling would go away. So I'm like, okay, I think this is anxiety. And it just got to the point where I'm like, something is wrong. Like I cannot function like this anymore. And so I went to the doctor and I got on some meds, but I also was like, you know, I don't, I didn't know the source of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I, I can take this medicine, but I don't want to be on it forever. And I need to figure out like, what is the source of this? And so that's what prompted me to go to therapy. All right, so you're you're in that position where you you you're on the meds, you're trying to figure out what the source is. So now you're there in therapy, which is first of all half the battle right there in itself. How did that situation? How did the situation in the, in the relationship between you and your therapist evolve? Like, because obviously you're you're talking to a stranger, right? And yeah. essentially you're you're trying to open up and share your innermost thoughts. Stuff that, as you just kind of pointed out, some people are not ready to actually receive that. And so you're a little nervous and apprehensive. How did that rapport building go with you and your therapist? So it was kind of interesting because I started off doing the EAP, like employee assistance, Mm -hmm. and they gave us three free sessions and you call them and they like find someone who's near you. The lady said, I'm going to find somebody who's actually near you so that if you want to continue this, you know, you can, or someone who's on your insurance as well. So if you want to continue this, you can, and it won't be like, I have to switch after this to somebody who actually does take my insurance. Right. Um, so the person they found, cause I live in a, um, I would say predominantly white area of town and so I was a little I was a little concerned about that like are these people gonna get me and then this is like the height of all the political and racial tension so I'm like um okay we'll try it and see how this works they um gave me a white lady and I was like Mm -hmm. I don't know how this gonna go (laughs) but we gonna see but it turned out like I would say I'm not I'm I'm not a very open person I'm not typically a talker so she was able to get me talking about some things she just kind of started out asking me about myself and you know how I grew up and things like that and then she started making some I don't know what you would call it I guess observations even Mm -hmm. though she's not looking at me, but from what I was saying, and I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like she helped me uncover some things that I didn't know was there about where I grew up. And cause I grew up in Dalton, Georgia. I don't know if you know where that is. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll just say that Marjorie Taylor green 
represents that area. <laughs> yeah. That says it all. <laughs> yes, that says it all. But I didn't realize that I had some residual stuff going on that affected how I operate as an adult from growing up in that area. And she helped me uncover the fact that I was constantly trying to prove that I deserved a spot at the table. Right. And that was her revelation. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess she gets it, you know? Mm. And that kind of helped with the relationship there because she was able to help me uncover a lot of stuff about myself that I did not realize. And it all stemmed from, you know, growing up the way I grew up. That's really interesting for a couple of different things because one, I've had experience going to therapists that that didn't maybe share the same race as me. And before, I guess I thought, hey, it didn't matter. You know, they they're, you know, they got the same medical training everybody else. That, that, that shit don't matter, whatever. And then when I started going and trying to you know, relate and, and and talk about my experiences and what was going on. And I just, they just, you know, Can't from the relate. experience that I had, they didn't, they didn't get it. And, and, and I had a couple of them. And from the experience I had, they just wanted to just throw medicine at me and that was it. They just couldn't understand. And I'm that initial stage. And this is, and this is what people, you know, don't want to talk about or don't want to experience in therapy, but it's bound to happen. If you are true to yourself that first session, you more than likely, I feel like it's a 90% chance. And I don't have real numbers. I'm just making this shit up. But I feel like it's a 90% chance you're going to cry. You know what I mean? Like, the, the uh, crying is happening. Every time. Yeah. Every time. And so, and so people who, you don't want to necessarily be vulnerable. You go into that first session, you cry to the stranger that you don't know. You're like, I, I'm out. I can't deal with this shit. But you're crying. And then I'm crying to this woman who doesn't relate to my struggle. And then it was like, I was like four sessions in. First of all, shout out to EAP because that's what got me yes. in therapy too. Yo, EAP, check y'all if y'all working. More likely, y'all probably have some kind of EAP program. You need to check it out. Get these sessions for free. I'm just saying, it, it ain't going to hurt. It's, it's free. But I was there and I, I think I was, I might have been at session three or maybe session five or something like that. And I'm just like, I keep crying every time and I don't, and I don't feel no better. Like I don't, like I was, so I, <laughs> I dropped off of therapy for a while. And then it wasn't until for me, my experience until I found somebody, I just like, for, for example, it's easy for me to, to speak to, to black women. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a house with my mom and my grandma. So for me, most of my friends, they're black women. You know, I, mm-hmm. do I have some some black guys and some other guys sprinkled in there somewhere? Yeah, but we ain't as tight as I am with black women. That's just really mm-hmm. what it is. And so for me, it it was I knew it was important for me to have a black woman as a therapist because I'm going to. There was times in my life that I would be like a little. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I was trying to be somebody different, but I didn't let my the fool Jared out because I felt I had to be manly man let me let me do this i mean let me not emote and it wasn't until i started consistently seeing uh you know black women as therapists that's when i was like you know fuck it i'm just gonna be me no matter what yeah definitely i think 
if you get the right therapist, you go in, you might have walls, but they come down. Like, I really, once I uncovered those things about myself, I felt better. Mm. So, but once you start really opening up and talking, like the tears are coming for sure, because it's just like, it's so deep, like pulling something so deep from within you, things that you don't even know are there sometimes, and it all just comes out in emotion. But I think it makes sense that as a black male that you would want to talk to a black woman. I think it probably reminds you guys of your mom. Mm-hmm. Right, that mm-hmm. would make sense to me. Yeah, like from for, for me, me and my mom always had shout out, mom. I know you're listening. My mom, my mom, be, <laughs> she be boy, that woman be supporting me, boy. She be bumping this in the car loudly, driving down the highway, talk, talking about pod. I I got another listener for your podcast. Anyway, what's up, mama? Yes, mama. <laughs> but for me, me and my mom, we we we've always had this very close relationship you know our, our our motto um growing up like after her and my dad split was it's this little magnet that, w- that she kept on the refrigerator and it had like a little crocodile with a with a cowboy hat on there and it just said it's me and you against the world when do we attack and that became Aww. like our, our i know like <laughs> it became like our motto and so she would talk i would talk to her about stuff that would happen in school whether it was some 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 women that was that, that held me down was trying to grabbed my genitals for some reason in fifth grade. I don't know. It's a crazy story. I don't know. But I told her about that. <laughs> she would tell me about her struggles financially and emotionally. And so maybe I kind of grew up a little fast knowing this stuff because I'm mean, I'm 12 and I, I'm all, I, my anxiety is up. My shoulders sit up tight like this around my neck. But at least I knew, I, I knew that I could always talk to her. And I think that's mm-hmm. what's what established that the type of relationship that I have with black women now. I mean, you know, most people they just feel like I'm just some kind of womanizer. That's why I have all these women on my podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, Jared the player, he all you know, he don't never had no men on there. I mean, I mean they do. Oh no. You you they just do. know what it is. I know what it is. You know the wisdom. You know the wisdom that comes with a black woman. Girl, you better talk that talk. You better talk that <laughs> talk. <laughs> it is my demographic. Hey, it, it is what it is. The, the the stats don't lie. These these are my numbers. It's, it's black women, and I, and I love it. <laughs> All right, so I'm so glad that you were that she was able to help you uncover something like that, especially where you're always fighting that you have a seat at the table. Because definitely, I definitely can relate to that. Explain to me how long did it, it did it feel like it it took you? Because I think in this world, everybody has this the sense of instant gratification. So how long was it a process to get that open to start talking or did it just kind of fit naturally when you, when you went to therapy? Most definitely it was a process. I think people, some people have never been to therapy. I think they have this misconception that you're going to go sit down, talk to somebody, and then they're going to give you the answers, but it does not work like that. They just ask you questions and then you have to be like, yeah, I do feel that way. Or yeah, that does make sense for me and my life and my situation. And like my therapist would be like, well, you've got a lot to think about. Right. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) then I have to go home and I have to live with that and I have to process that. 
And so it's not an instant thing. And part of my issue, you know, is that I don't even know how to exist without walls Mm. because I have put them up. And she said, you know, that seems like it served a purpose for you when you were growing up because, you know, you put up these walls, you only let people see a certain part of you and you're protecting yourself from these people that you don't know if you can trust, right? You don't know how they would, would judge you. But now that I'm married, I cannot live with walls and I have to figure out how to break them all down because I've been living in a castle with a moat and, you know, several shooters on the roof and all kind of stuff. So dragons. I'm peeping through. (laughs) Yep. Dragons. I'm peeping through the little peephole and that's all you get. So we had to break down some of those walls before I could even get to a certain point in therapy. That's a testimony in itself because I tell people all the time, they know I got a podcast. They know that I talk about mental health and I'm a mental health advocate. They know that I that I have my issues with mental health. They know that I talk about mental health, whether I'm writing a blog or doing a podcast. They know that I'll be in, on this mic in front of this this camera crying on a podcast and then put it out. And they, <laughs> oh, you're so brave. You, you know, you just talk about everything. You're just so open. I let y'all in on the stuff that I need to let y'all in on. Like that, for me, I am selectively open. And, yes. and I, can, I can do all that and tell you about the struggle of depression after I have gone through that particular part of it and i can be as open and honest and crying about it as possible and you and you think that i'm so brave meanwhile the the current battle that i might be going through you you're none the wiser of or if there's a financial struggle that's going on or or if i just feel maybe i I talk about imposter syndrome but maybe i hadn't talked about the extent of how much the imposter syndrome was affecting me you know to the fact you know that i can't sleep at night and i'm and I'm obsessed and looking at YouTube videos and, and people's stats and downloads and everything. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I spit, I'm at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I quit. I'm not doing this shit no more. I'm, I'm done. And then I wake up at six. I'm like, well, I need to go ahead and start working this edit for this next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but people I feel all of that. That's what I'm saying. That's why we miss these. You know what I'm saying? Like people don't know that struggle, but when I'm selectively open and I'll, I'll tell them just enough where they be like, I'm, tr- I'm trying to be open like you, Jared. So it's hard to break down those walls. Like in, and even it now, is. like, you know, you're married. I used to be married. I think I still had my walls up. If my ex is like one of my best friends, I know she don't listen, but I know, <laughs> but she knows she's one of my best friends. <laughs> She would tell you that I, I still had walls up, you know, like, like I would help her with any problem that she had going on. But I mean, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I'll, I'll take care of it myself. So, yeah, it's that's the one of the, the important things is breaking down those walls. Now, I like that. What you said, she gave you these questions. You went home and you processed them and you noted that this is not about 
someone giving you an answer. You showing up for 50 minutes once a week and somebody give you the answers to your life and then you sit there and do it. Of course, you're going to feel a sense of relief because you've unloaded to this person for 50 minutes. And like that, that first hour or two, oh, you feel great. <laughs> like you're like, it's a weight. <laughs> you feel fantastic. For me, it's like the, it's like the equivalent of me getting a haircut. After I think after the first three to four hours after me getting a haircut, that's, that's where I am at. My my most attractiveness, <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, it all falls to shit. But that, that's kind of sleep on it. <laughs> I sleep on it. It's a wrap. <laughs> but, but that's the same thing with therapy. You you have that high from unloading for that time frame, and then after that, you still got to do the work. So you went home and actually did the processing. So that's not that's never really talked about. It's always go to therapy. Tell me about what that process looked like to you. Would you trying to do that, do the work after you had the discovery in therapy? So first of all, my entire life pretty much fell apart last year and nobody would know that because I go to work, I smile, I do what I need to do. And there's only a handful of people that actually know that my life like fell apart completely in every way possible. But I think process of sorting through all that after you do the therapy can be really ugly because now you have to take the information that you got and you have to figure out how it applies to your current life. Cause oh, believe it or not, a lot of the stuff that you end up talking about in therapy has to do with how you grew up and things that you experienced like in your childhood. So now you have to take that information that you know, and you have to figure out, okay, what is this causing me to do in my life right now? What does this have to do with my current situation? And how can I use this information to fix it? And when you're trying to figure all that out, it can be real ugly, especially having a spouse. You're working on yourself, but your spouse knows this different person. Right, right. I think um, one of the biggest things that I've been working on is that I feel like I have lived my life the way everybody else said that I should live it. Mm. I have been living up to everybody else's expectations. And so, like, one of the biggest questions she asked me is, who is Shannon? Mm. And I'm like, I have no freaking idea. I don't know. So trying to figure that out and then, you know, it's kind of like trial and error. And my husband's looking at me crazy. Like, who is this person? Right. I don't know. And I don't know what to tell you because I don't, I'm trying to figure it out myself. So it's definitely a process. It's definitely sometimes a difficult process. It's not like a smooth process. I can say that. No. No, I, I think I think a lot of people think that that's what it's supposed to be, and you know wh- whether it's figuring out what therapist you are you 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 finally get to, whether it's seeing if that therapist and you are the right fit, whether it's once you feel like that person is the right fit for you, and they give you some of these these observations and these things, maybe even homework things that you need to you know kind of work on and process and work through, and then it takes a certain bravery to be 
open to experience that and, and have an experiment on yourself, do these, you know, self experiments to see what you like, what you don't like, especially when you're a person that doesn't, has always catered to others. So I can see this is why we best because I can relate to that. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, just never knowing who you are as a person. And, and the one thing for me that was always one of the scare, I had two things actually. Two things that were scary for me during therapy. One, when my therapist would ask, "Well, what do you want to do?" I don't know. Uh, who Who are you? What do you want? Who Who? I don't know. I don't. Don't ask me no question like that. You know, I ain't got the answers to it. You know, like, and so I would get upset because I I don't. I've been doing so much for everybody else. And the second thing that would always get me was when I would go off talking about, you know blog reads and downloads and this and that and, and Instagram followers and, and, and reach and creating this business and what I want to do with myself. You know, and I go off, I'm not successful. I'm not successful. I just, I'm just, uh, I'm just not successful. I do that. What does success look like to you? Huh? Oh, I got that question too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but this ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but don't ask me. I don't know. And that's an example of those questions that you don't want to actually have to hear, but you have to answer in order to get past that stage that you're in. Yeah. I do feel like people will get comfortable in that valley that they're in, that that depression, that that place of anxiety, wherever, wherever you are. Because you've been in it for so long, you know what it feels like. You know some of the things that you can can do to kind of take the edge off, but you never really ascend and you never really get out of that valley because you don't want to do the work. And it's it's not easy. It's difficult. It's difficult. So I think also it's easy to look at other people and see their flaws, but it is hard to look at yourself and see your flaws. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. I am really good at the advice. <laughs> so <laughs> somebody will ask me a question on something and I am like, what you need to do this and then this and then this and then this. And say, so, and they keep coming back and, and getting more and more advice out of me. But then you don't take your own advice. Never, you? never. That's what? me too. For what? <laughs> Shannon, for what? Why I can give people all kind of wisdom. <laughs> and then I look at my life like, dang, I don't do that. <laughs> go for your dreams. You should go for your dreams. Jerry, you go for your dreams? <laughs> huh? No. No. <laughs> I mean, halfway. I mean, I turned the mic on and started talking for like an hour. That's it. I don't, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> dreams. I'm a fail. Mm-mm. No. All right. <laughs> So when you start talking about lessons that you start learning in therapy, what are these some of the most important lessons that stick out to you in your mind that you've learned through the process? Mm, that's a good question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're more so lessons about myself that I've learned. I am particularly hard on myself and I hold myself to a standard that's like way up here. But the average person, like, the standard doesn't need to be up here, right? And I give other people grace, but I don't give myself the same grace. Mm. So that's one thing. The other is that 
I would say because I'm even my parents would say that I've always been a quiet person. I don't speak unless there's something that needs to be said. I'm still like that. But part of that is a wall because if I don't say anything, then you have nothing to judge me on. Right. So I'm new to this talking thing (laughs) because I always sit and listen. I have a podcast called you talk. (laughs) I'll listen. (laughs) Right. So that's another thing. I think, um, just figuring out who I am has been a big thing that I'm working on because I, I do, I live, I have always lived for, or lived my life in a way that is like, what am I supposed to do? Right. That might be a first child thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think, I think so. I think you're right. I mean, so have you found something that in your experiments, even though it made your husband look at you kind of crazy, you know, like, what are you doing? (laughs) Have you found something that like, I tried this out. You know what? This is not quote unquote characteristic of Shannon, but I like it. It it is now Shannon. It is me now. It's something that I do now that I like, that I had to figure it out. Have you had one of those revelations? I'm still working on it. Okay. We'll say, I mean, I got my nose pierced. <laughs> I like it actually. Um, I really like it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But I'm 40 years old getting my nose pierced. Or 39. I was 39. So? I don't know. I think just speaking speaking my mind mm-hmm. is really a thing because I'm a conflict avoider as well. Mm-hmm. So I will just keep my mouth closed. Let you say what you need to say and be good. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> keep it moving. But then it might really bother me. And I'm just dealing with that internally. So trying to, I'm really trying to work on communication. Yeah. Because I don't know. I just, I don't say things just to not say things. Even things that are not that important. I just won't say it. <laughs> so I'm trying to work on not doing that. Yeah. Just point blank period. I'm a lot like that. I'm a lot like that. I don't I, I, I am a conflict avoider too. And I'm I'm more of like I've always been more of seeing myself as the mediator and negotiator for for, for different groups and people and I just I'm a peacekeeper. I do whatever is necessary to keep the peace. And it's doesn't necessarily mean or it's not necessarily the most effective way of doing things. You keeping the peace outside of you, but the inside of exactly. you is not peaceful. Exactly. You know, and 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 I've always felt that, well, as long as everybody else is good, I'll I'll be fine. And it is it is time to to you know figure out who you are and and learn and try different things. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter the age. So I like that you got you got the nose ring at, at 39 and, and you rocking it at 40. It looks great. I'm because I had the similar thing, like, I don't think I want a tattoo. I think I want a tattoo. And it, it, it was like, Yeah, I can't be 40 getting a tattoo. What does that look like? I'm, I'm and now I'm almost yes, 43. I'm yeah. like, I can't be 43 trying to get a tattoo. What is 
What does that look like? Whatever. I'm, I'm, as soon as I figure out what it is, say that I'm getting it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know screw that. <laughs> I That's like what I'm saying. Too. Like, you know, it's time to just, you know, do some stuff. It's, it's really about the one thing that I always come back to. And again, lose, losing my father, you know, a few months ago, you know, put it in perspective. In 2020, put it in perspective too with everything that was happening with COVID. We have a finite amount of time here on earth. And if we're spending all of this time trying to live for other people and trying to fit into a mold that other people have made for us, we didn't even have the input to design that that mold. It just got assigned to us. And then we're trying to live in it. Why? Like, figure out what the mold is for us yeah. and then just do it. And and, and some, some of it might be a tattoo. And then maybe th- three years later, I might look at this tattoo and be like, why in the blue hell? Did I put this tattoo on my body? And that's another <laughs> that's another topic for something else. And then I just figure out how to cover it up and keep it pushing. Like, but life is about trying these, these these different things and seeing what what you like about it. Yes, and I think um, you're probably like me. Are you? You're a role follower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I've always been known as a as a rule follower, someone who just you know always does what they're supposed to, mm-hmm. right? But I think something that we both probably need to learn is that when we are trying these things, we have to give ourselves grace, even if it doesn't work out the way we thought it was going to be. And that's where you and I get caught up. Mm-hmm. Well, my friend, Jawanda, friend of the show, Jawanda, she's been on Unestablished Podcast. We've had a lot of conversations about me giving myself grace. Like we'll be, we'll be going back and forth counseling each other. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and we had a lot of conversations about giving giving me giving myself grace. And the, the first thing I tell her is, I don't know that chick. I ain't never met her. I, don't, I ain't friends with her. <laughs> I'm not about to sit there and meet her no time soon. So you can you can keep her over there. But I, I do I do realize that if there are certain things, you know, that you got to just not be so hard on yourself for. And... I especially have learned this once I fully made an announcement to people that, yeah, I'm, this is what I'm doing in podcasting. I, I, I have learned so many lessons in the last few weeks, Shannon, just just by putting that out there into the into the world. And, you know, some of it is, wow, people are excited for you. And then some of it is, wow, there are some people that's going to uh, reach out to you and tell you what you should what you should do next. Even though they ain't got no experience in in none of the stuff that you talk about, <laughs> <laughs> and, and there are some people that's that's going to be like, you know, are you sure about this? It's a lot of experiences I've learned just on for myself, and like, okay, we put it out there. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be successful by you putting it out there. I want it to be successful. Like I'm like I'm really stressed. Trying to make this successful, <laughs> uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that it needs to be like the rock nation of of podcast labels, like within the first two or three years. I would yeah. like that. That would be that would be fantastic. But it doesn't have to be that way. So, but that's the bar that you set for yourself. So again, like we come back to success. Success doesn't have to mean that you are <laughs> at that level right it it doesn't it doesn't but you know i'm a big dreamer 
<laughs> so, yeah, I totally get it. Totally so, get it. And that's the thing about, like we talked about, about putting these high expectations on yourself and just like, yeah, I, sh- I should be like the Jay-Z of podcasting within like three years. That, that, <laughs> that should work. <laughs> I don't have any... And even if you don't believe it yourself, it's like, you know, if I'm not there in three years, then I'm not successful. Right. I, I got to be like, okay, well, it's going to take three and a half or, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe a couple more months. So, all right, Shannon, I do want to ask you a little bit about this and because... As you stated, you are the host of You Talk, I'll Listen podcast. It's a podcast that is essentially centric around mental health and the stories mm-hmm. involved in that. You are, um, you do host Blacktivities. It's a celebration of all things Black. So I feel like you are extremely qualified to answer this question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why do Black people not want to go to therapy? I think there's several reasons. I think one, because just in generations past, it's always been for black people, like you don't talk about business outside of the house. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's one thing. Another thing I think is that there is some hesitance. I don't know what word to use to describe when it comes to medical things in general. Black people don't trust medical things because of historically how they've done us. I think also there's a stigma that like if you need help, then you're quote unquote crazy. I think there's a lot of things going on. I think like toxic masculinity plays into that. Just, yeah, a lot of things. Religion. I know a lot of people don't want to don't want to bring that up, but I think the the fact that I'm, it's it's kind of tied into you don't talk about your business outside of, of the house, but I think when you when you speak about religion and giving it all to God, a lot of people say that's what you should do, and that's it. Like you can't give it give it all to God if you're talking to this to, to this therapist or you're talking and to this doctor. That's just not true. <laughs> it just it just doesn't work like that, and it it doesn't. I love I, me some Jesus. I know, and the, the, and the thing about it is, if all the teachings in the Bible, they they, it wasn't it wasn't just God or Jesus just in the whole book. They sent representatives, whether you know it was Moses or any other other prophets, you know Jeremiah, you know the you know the apostles. They sent representatives. So yeah, why can't God put a you know put a ram in the bush and give you a representative to help you <laughs> with your issues? Like uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but I just, I just God <laughs> uses people. It does. God uses people. It does. So, black people in 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 therapy. I just, I don't know. You know, it's. it's I would love for it to not just be a a stigma like black people in in swimming. <laughs> 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 I say that and I can't swim, but I would love. Hey, I'm there with you. Floating. That's me. <laughs> like, oh, this water getting too deep. This water getting too deep. I'm, I'm in six feet. I'm going to make the five feet. I'm going to make the five feet. I'm only five, 11 and a half. So this, this, that's just a little bit too much water for me. Uh, 
<laughs> just but if anybody needs therapy, black folks need therapy, right? Especially from everything that we've gone through, you know, like yes. you know, and it's generational curses that a lot came from, you know, slavery. A lot came from the 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 aftermath of slavery that mm-hmm. are not being addressed. That we just kind of float through. And we continue to pass down generation after generation. Yeah. How open have you been? I don't I can't remember the ages of your of your kids, but how open have you been about therapy with, with your with your kids? And as far as that, like do you have you created an open space for them to where therapy is not, you know, problematic or it's it's not a solution. It's more like something that you you know, it just needed like a checkup, like as far as like even from like a medical doctor is I don't think they have any concept of therapy yet. I Mm -hmm. think that my oldest, who is nine, I think he understands. He knows mommy has anxiety and sometimes she is not feeling well or she feels stressed and has pressure. Mm -hmm. And he will try to do certain things when he sees that, you know, mommy's in a mood or whatever. She's feeling kind of stressed. He'll try to do some things to help out. But. The other one is five, so she's she's just happy. Like, yeah. you can't meet my little one and not smile. She's just that type of person. But my husband and I both, we talk to them about the fact that they can come talk to us about anything. And uh, we try to leave that open line of communication like, just whatever, if there's something bothering you, like you can talk to us. We're not going to judge you or whatever. And there've been times that I've talked to my son. He had something that was bothering him or weighing heavy on him. And, you know, I just listen Mm -hmm. and ask him, you know, well, how did that make you feel or whatever? Because I don't want him to fall into the whole toxic masculinity thing. Yeah. I don't want him to not be able to express his emotions and feel like he just has to be stoic all the time. But I'm constantly fearful that my anxiety will come off on them because sometimes I'm like uptight and just like short with them or whatever, for whatever reason that I might have things going on with me. And I try to be conscious of that because I do not want them. I I already see some things where my son also does not give himself grace. Mm-hmm. Like he, he expressed some things and I'm like, he's totally my child. Like he's anxious about things. And so I'm concerned about that. Yeah, I, I get that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually the same way um, with, with my kids, especially with Brooklyn. So Brooklyn is about to be 15. And and so I don't know what age that I finally just kind of opened it, you know, the can of worms and start talking about, you know, depression and anxiety and what, you know, daddy deals with and and counseling, but I I feel like it's been a a few years now, but only only because she was kind of inquisitive about it, you know, like I think she might have heard some stuff like, you know, in in conversations or maybe she she saw something on social media with me or something that, on, on from that perspective. And I think 
you know, she started asking those questions and then we started coming up and I, and I gave her like, you know, little bare bone stuff. And then, you know, as she's gotten older, especially, especially with her having her own emotional issues and everything, like, you know, to talk about it. So, Hey, I can relate to this. And you, and you're right. I want to create that space where you're absolutely comfortable in talking to me, no matter what it is. And I feel like it, as much as, as much as you can from a teenager, because, you know, they're going to hide some stuff. But as much as you can <laughs> from a teenager, I feel like we've gotten to that point where, you know, she'll she'll talk to me about, you know, kids in her class that, you know, that do drugs or, you know, people that that are doing this. And we've, we've had conversations about sex. And and she's like, you know, she's... I'm dreading that one. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you. Shannon, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, like... Like I got assigned to talk about the birds and the bees with, with Brooklyn when she was asking those questions. I got assigned that task. To this day, Shannon, I don't know what the hell I said. Like I blacked out. Like I said <laughs> something, and and I looked at it. I was like, "You get it? Do you understand? You got any questions?" She's like, "No, I get it." And then she walked off. It was the summer when she was here, and I and I, to this day, I cannot recall anything that I said. I completely blacked out. So. I think I need a good job. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it ain't gonna be easy. I just it, ooh, it ain't gonna be any. It, ooh, it, it with bo- with, yeah, with a boy because I hadn't had that con- had 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 any conversation with Noah. Noah is eleven, but Noah is um, you know, girl, you know, girls mature faster than the boys. So Noah is just still video games and everything like that now. He has some questions, you know, about, you know, himself and how he's trying to, you know, who he wants to be in this world. But I don't think he's he's really started asking those questions yet, at least not to me. And, you know, I just kind of want to keep spending time with him and creating that safe space. So if he does feel like feel like it, because I I think a lot of times it's rough with, with boys because they got this whole, you know, it is toxic masculinity. And like like you said, yeah. and so they feel like they can't, you know, open up and say this stuff and be the person who they who they want to be, but what society thinks they should be. And I don't want to, I don't, I don't want him to have that at all. I want him to to be able to emote to me because I I want to I want to be able to do vice versa. I want to emote to him and and him to know that you know, daddy ain't got the answers. He be trying. <laughs> Like, <laughs> nobody know what they doing so, nobody that's so. one thing you realize when you get to be an adult and you have your own kids like your mom and dad didn't know what they were doing either no no <laughs> I, I thought i thought they had the manual locked down and everything but they had no idea they were just trying to figure it out and like even to my up to my dad died like now looking at it he have a clue. He's just like, yo, I'm, I, I'm a father, you know, and, and that's what I am. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a father. I'm, I answer the phone <laughs> when they call. <laughs> I go to birthday but I will corner. definitely, when my kids get old enough, I will definitely encourage them to do therapy if they feel like they need it because I would rather them figure that stuff out early than you know, waiting until their late thirties and forties to figure it out, like we're doing. Absolutely. So, I encourage that ahead uh, a lot, and, and you know, so that's the path that we're gonna you know be on. So I'm gonna continue to talk 
about it. If I'm, if I'm talking, I feel like if I'm talking about it to to the perfect strangers on podcast, I I can talk about it to my kids. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shannon. Before we get out of here, you know. It's about damn time. We 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 all about just trying to uplift people, help people become the the best versions of themselves. And I always want my guests to give those little nuggets of information when it comes to just anything that they were talking about. So, what is it about damn time for people to start doing to show up, start going to therapy, and actually do the work in therapy? I think it's about damn time that we break these generational curses. For our families and our legacy, I think we just need to be real with ourselves and face the things that we're going through because I think we don't necessarily think about it. We think about it affecting us and that's it, but it doesn't just affect us. It affects future generations as well. Very well said. Very well said. I, I, I can't agree more to, to that statement. It is a struggle to con- continuously fight generational curses, but I feel like I think that's the part where we talked about about giving ourselves grace, where mm-hmm. l- if you look at things, what we're doing in the in even just the the mindset that we're in to try to, try to break those generational curses, it's already better than our parents because they were just like, it is what it is. And now at least we are turning the tide. So maybe in one or two generations from us, it's no longer a generational curse. We, we, we starting it. So mm-hmm. look at you, man, Make, encouraging me and making me feel all good about being a parent and stuff. Man, that's what I'm talking about. See, that's what besties do. You know, that's what we do. Shannon, before you go, I, I you got to sit there and tell me about everything that you got going on. Like, just let everybody know where they can find you at and and where they can find your podcast. Well, you can find me in several places. You can find me on social media at blacktivities pod and, um, on IG. Yeah. We're mainly on IG. We also, both of my podcasts, you talk, I'll listen and blacktivities pod are on any podcasting platform. So, you can find me there. We are currently in a season of Blacktivities, season two. And where else? Blackpanache.com. Black Panache, we're working here. I know you got your network up and coming. Uh, Black Panache, hopefully, is my network up and coming. No, it's, it's not hopefully. Um, You're doing this. You're doing this. It's happening. <laughs> right now, I'm the only one on my network. But (laughs) I just think it's really important that we tell our stories and that we share our perspectives instead of letting other people do it for us because they're going to spin it. So I admire what you're doing. And that's what I'm trying to do for myself is build this thing. I hope that your audience will go and check out Blacktivities Pod because I do think that we got some great content and I hope that it's informational. Like you learn some history that we never learned, but also that you laugh because sometimes we just need that. Mm. I want to personally say, personally say I am a big fan of black activities and what y'all do there. 
I I love podcasts that that educate and entertain. It's kind of my stick. It's it's kind of it's when I want to <laughs> build, you know, my label around as far as people that's that's giving you education, maybe not in a, in a traditional sense, but give opening your mind to think about stuff, but you damn sure are gonna be entertained. It's it's gonna be the whole damn show. You know, hence, hence the name. That's how I did that there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think you are on 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 the right on the right track. I love everything that you're doing there, and um, I'm I'm just gonna say it publicly. You know, you know, use me as a resource. I mean, I don't know everything, but at least we can sit there and bounce ideas off one another because we we yeah. we Shannon are about to do this. Like me and you, <laughs> like, like you know, like we about to, this network about to pop for both of us. We about to we about to have stuff going on. We about to do this. Like you know, I talked about this in a in a, in a previous episode uh, with you know the, the business besties that that are on the label, and they were like, we trying to get everybody rich, you know, and, and get everybody yeah. working in their passions and 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 have everybody being successful. Jay Z yep. had a, had a verse say, "Everybody around me rich or will be, baby girl. I promise you this yep. or kill me." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's so." Chad, you part of the click. You can't you can't be a bestie like God. You I be sitting <laughs> trying to blow up and you ain't doing nothing like that. Ain't happening. So we about to do this. We about to do it. Yeah, we got to. Yeah, we got to. And I appreciate your support. I know that you are an avid listener, and I really appreciate that. Of course, of course. Look, you are welcome back anytime. You know, just just let me know when you want to come back. It is it is booked. Simple as that. So, <laughs> thank you so much for being the guest this week. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for joining me this week on this about damn time. Hey, if you like what you heard, follow this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and IG, and join the conversation on this week's episode. Link to all my socials in the show notes. You can also show love by simply giving me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, for more blogs, pods, and other digital content, go to thewholedamnshow.com. Until next time, I'll see you next week.